0: This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others, and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com.
1: Part of the thing with identity is you always need someone outside of you to affirm you. And so as, as much as we want to say, like, I am worthwhile by myself, I don't need anyone to tell me, it doesn't matter what other people think, like all of that is just nonsense, because at the end of the day, what we demand of other people is affirmation. We want the look of affirmation from people or from, from God. I think ultimately we desire it from God. Mm
2: -hmm. What do you do? If you've ever heard that question at a cocktail party and you didn't quite know what to answer, maybe you were staying home with kids or being a primary caretaker of aging parents, and this language of what you do as who you are can feel really paralyzing. Well, listen in to my conversation with Alan Noble. We talk identity, we talk work, we talk this weird sense of freedom and curation of our modern day lives and how we can even move forward on social media in this weird place we find ourselves. So listen in. Maybe you'll even find a better answer to that question at your next work soiree. Here's my conversation with Alan. Welcome to the Finding Holy podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In each conversation, you'll get to hear my guests' wisdom, their laundry routine, and for this season, also their hustle habit let's find holy together all right it's really fun to welcome alan noble to the finding holy podcast so thanks for being here alan
1: thank you i'm excited yeah. to be here
2: yeah would you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself what's your story you know in 30 seconds <sighs>
1: What's my story? I was very <laughs> homeschooled as a child. Um, I'm now bald. I teach literature at Oklahoma Baptist University. I have for seven years associate professor of English there. Um, I've written a couple books, Disruptive Witness, and the latest book is called um, You Are Not Your Own, Belonging to God in an Inhuman World. And I I write things and try to survive. Awesome.
2: So. You know what? what's really fun as I've been reading your book, You Are Not Your Own, both Alan and I realized we were writing on similar themes and we like chose to not read each other's stuff until they're pretty much out. So it's been fun to see some of those crossovers.
1: Yeah, I think that, and, and that if we had read each other's what we were working on while writing, it would have just been just clouded our thoughts. Yeah. But this topic is so broad and so complex and so significant and so deeply ingrained in our society that it it really needs to be dealt with from several different directions at the same time. I and see. so um
2: so tell I me think that's yeah. About, so, yeah. Tell me a bit about your direction, your angle. How are you trying to tell yeah this problem of freedom and unlimited autonomy, and this pressure to kind of curate your own life? What does that look like? Maybe like you've seen with your students, or with yourself, before we get to like the philosophical underpinnings?
1: Okay, so uh, a couple of things happened that sort of two, two things that I can think of. Uh, One is the experience of me staying home while my wife was working over the summer two summers ago, mm-hmm. um, but also her not having a job and, and staying home with the kids for a while mm-hmm. and experiencing how staying home with kids in the, in, in, in the way our contemporary cities are designed mm-hmm. <laughs> and our societies are designed is almost intolerable, which is really a horrifying thing because taking care of children is like one of the most basic human things you can do. Like without it, there are no humans. And so it's pretty essential. And yet at the same time, because we're spread out across the city,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: because we're overwhelmed with tasks to do, because our children are, you know, uh, uh, know, there aren't children around, at least for us, you feel isolated. And then there's all this... Uh, you know, particularly for women, and this is something I read about in the book, and my wife certainly experienced is that, you know, when you finally do get to hang out with adults, and they ask you, so what do you do? Uh, If you say I stay home with my kids, or I'm a stay home mom, or however you frame it, whatever you're going to say there, unless your answer is, I have this career, they're going to think, Okay, so you don't have anything going on. Like they might, they might think staying home with kids is a really good thing. They might even be, you know, evangelicals and conservatives and say, Oh, that's great. I'm glad you stay home with the kids. But they still fundamentally react with this kind of like, well, you're boring. Ew. Like, I have nothing to say to you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're obviously cool. so stupid then.
1: Right. You're stupid or there's nothing to talk about, or you know, yeah. yeah. And so so that to me, so that 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 said a lot to me about the way society is structured around autonomy, we're all um, you know atomized, we're all just mm-hmm. off doing our own things. And mm-hmm. fundamentally racing kids by yourself is just not how it can be done. Mm-hmm. So, so that's the one event. The other thing I would say is uh, reading the bell jar with my college students, especially the seniors mm-hmm. and talking with my seniors who have these tremendous pressures to pick the just the right career yeah. and their senior year is like an existential crisis. And these are Christians who should know that their justification is in Christ, and they do know, you know, conceptually, but yeah. but viscerally, exper- experientially, um, they feel like they have to achieve a certain kind of right life because they're the ones responsible for living a life of meaning, right? And, um, because they're autonomous, it's right? Up to them, right. so those two things are sort of two big experiences that I
2: that makes sense that I would say. And i i know nothing of those just kidding <laughs> yeah you know i yeah. i think for for me as a mom of four kids like when i'm an only child and then you know come to have four children and then we're staying home and we're mo- i'm staying home with the kids and we're moving and then i have a phd and i'm wondering what is my life about like this is not how no. it was supposed to go so yeah i have experienced that exact scenario of feeling Both like this is a good choice for our family, and yet at the same time, realizing that I am not meeting my potential. And if I'm not meeting my individual potential, then who am I? Yeah. And we see it in Instagram too, right? We see it Mm -hmm. with like this idea that you can curate a perfect life through like trademark Instagram influencer culture. It's all around. So, what do we do with that, with this reality between freedom? And being defined by by a freedom that's outside of ourselves by God, and then what implications might that have then for community?
1: I mean, people just need to buy and read both of our books. I mean, that's
2: <laughs> for sure. That's obviously <laughs> that's the it. That's the answer.
1: Like it's <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. This is this is complicated. So in my book, you are not your own; Belonging to God in an inhuman world. Uh, the way I try to balance this, the, try to, the way I try to frame this is, um, that we need to understand the essence of being human as belonging to God and living before God, um, so, and, and this overlaps with ideas of individualism. I try not to use the language of individualism because that's an important conversation. But mm-hmm. sometimes I think when we talk about individualism, it becomes individualism versus like uh, collectivism. Right. And uh, it has to do with like labor and politics and stuff. And those things can be wrapped up in this. But I want to say it's more uh, it, it, it's more essential to what it means to be human that, that I want get to a, get a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And so um in my mind where we have to start is fundamentally to whom do you belong is it to yourself or is it to god because if it's to god there are all kinds of implications now if it's to yourself there are lots of other implications and some of those are the instagram culture that we've we've Mm -hmm. talked about because you are the only one responsible the only one able to sort of hold up your identity but if we belong to god um we don't lose ourselves um, actually when we belong to God, we have a witness to our identity, to self our personhood that is unchanging and true. And it looks on us with a gaze of love. Cause part of the thing with, with identity is you always need someone outside of you yep. to affirm you. And so as, as much as we want to say, like I am worthwhile, by myself. I don't need anyone to tell me. It doesn't matter what other people think. Like All of that is just nonsense because at the end of the day, what we demand of other people is affirmation. Yeah. We want the look of affirmation from people or from, from God. I think ultimately we desire it from God. Mm-hmm. So now that look of affirmation uh, where he looks on us in love uh, means that we are different from God. We're not the same Thing, um, right. so so we still have our personhood. We're not, we're not. Um, this isn't a kind of Buddhist idea where we all just sort of dis- disappear, right? Mm-hmm. We just sort of become one with God. Uh, our our personhood remains. So there's that 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 self still, but it's not that individual autonomous self that we have been taught and continue to be taught about over and over. So the implications are everywhere. I mean if this is what, what
2: let's just like take one example. You know, showing up to Instagram, just as an example, what would that look like if we began to understand that we don't actually belong to ourselves, that we belong to God? Um, you know, in the language of my book, I talk a lot about limits, right? That Jesus is one yeah. who actually, because he's human, experienced limits and limits aren't something that are something we have to fight against or control or ignore. They're actually something that lead us into communion with God that allow us to respond, hopefully appropriately, like Jesus does to our limits, that they are things that make us human. So if we are understanding, okay, I'm, I'm a limited person. I actually have limited, I have a limited time. I, you know, there's limits to my body, to my resources, to, my loves and affections or a particular season of life or work or calling. And we're saying, okay, I don't actually belong to myself. I actually belong to God. Therefore I am different from God and I can't like create myself from the ground up. Yep. How might we approach, let's just think together, Instagram differently. Yeah. You open your phone or Twitter, you know, whatever, what your yeah. social media platform of choice.
1: Yeah. So um, one thing I would say is that if we're not our own, then as you point out very well in your book, we have limits and those limits are actually good, even though they'll hurt. Sometimes they'll feel painful. They'll feel constraining. They're actually uh, highly ordered and they're good for us. And that means that there are some things that we can't post that would feel good, but would actually be cause envy, or division, or be uh, um, destructive in some way. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have the freedom, even though we might say, well, I'm just expressing myself, like, I, I, you know, if they take it that way, that's them. But, but no, actually, we have to post with the good of others in mind. That's one of those limits that we don't get to choose. Uh, It's, it's, it's built into creation, we have to love our neighbor. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, I think that's, that's one way. I I also think that um, as we see other people desperately trying to build themselves up, build themselves from the ground up, right? And uh, to do that with, by rejecting limits, I think we can, we can see examples like that. And um, first not be conned by them not be persuaded that okay this is what i need to do maybe i really need to follow my heart and leave my life and go do something else or maybe i need to pursue this kind of thing so we can deny that but then also i think we can have a grace for those people Mm -hmm. because like what they're feeling and what they're desiring is not alien to us and I think this, this is something that your book does a really good job of, and I try to do with my book as well, is that is frame this problem not as a problem with those heathens out there, but right. as just a fundamental experience of, of modernity. And so when you think about it in that way, this is not a, well, as a Christian, I realize all these Instagram influencers are a bunch of phonies and I'm above the covetousness. Or <laughs> right. you can look at them and be like, oh, dang. I have that same desire to feel like my, my life is being validated by other people who like and comment and share. I experience that. So even though I think, okay, what they're doing is wrong, and it's actually destructive to society in many ways. It's not alien to me. I'm there. I'm there too. And I need to work on it. I understand that. Yeah. So I think that's just two things off the top of my yeah
2: mind. no I think that's really helpful I think you know as we think of if social media is in some way kind of the public square of our age how we interact maybe matters just as much of course as what we say or you know or the things and that we're taking in and I think we've been kind of told this lie that the content or the ideas are the only thing that matters. And mm. we've divorced it from form or from character. And I think mm-hmm. some of that then is why things are blowing up a little bit. It feels like mm. that's why we're talking past each other, because we just think that the intellectual ascent, the ideas matter and ideas always have form, right? They're always embodied.
1: Yeah. It encourages to, encourages us to see it as a neutral form when it's mm-hmm. not, Yeah, when it's absolutely not. Neutral. Also, there's a kind of determinism at work, it seems like. So, so you know, so you kind of get to this place where you think, well, this is just how we have to have this. If this is the public square, we just have to do it this way.
2: Right. I don't know what we do differently, but
1: Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, I don't I'm not a uh anti tech, I mean not right. anti social media, at least in the 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 strictest sense, because I think they can be effective platforms to get people to think in certain ways but I do think you have to to be very intentional about the former and thinking through what what can I meaningfully say in this space and what is just noise
2: and yeah maybe it's not the place for like arguing with a political opponent like maybe that would be better done like around a dinner table for instance but by asking questions instead of Let me lambast you with these articles of all of these people that I agree with that you don't.
1: I think that's, I think for the most part, I think that's where I've sort of landed is that I think that, that, that social media is best used aside from jokes, which I think, and, you know, hanging out with friends or whatever is uh, used for raising questions, Mm -hmm. Uh, not so much engaging people, you know, maybe, maybe very minimally, Mm -hmm. but, but giving them something to think about. Um, I think
2: so too. I feel like that's been a good spot for me to feel like I can provide value and not just fluff here.
1: The meaningful stuff happens off social media. So it's like, if we can get them thinking about something about the way they see themselves or limits, for example, I know you've been doing this a lot on Instagram, Mm -hmm. asking questions about limits and then uh, hopefully provoking thought that doesn't actually take place on, on Instagram, but like it is sparked by that.
2: Are you burnt out with hurry and hustle? Or are you kind of worried as, as the fall ramps up that you're going to get stuck in those same wagon tracks of hurry and hustle? There is a better way. We are starting a spacious community. Imagine me coming alongside you as your coach to give you specific practical teaching and practices that you can use even in the carpool lane in your minivan to help you practice a sense of spaciousness right in the middle of your everyday ordinary life. If you're curious, if you want to know more, we would love to have you. A Spacious Community will be kicking off in mid-August, but all you need to do right now is head on over to my website at aspacious.life. You can take a quiz to get your hustle habit, and from there, all you need to do is pre-order a copy of the book, A Spacious Life, and then you will enter your email and we'll give you all the information about the Spacious Community, which is kicking off mid-August. You'll have a community, you'll have a coach, and you'll have some practical handholds so that you can trade, hustle, and hurry for the goodness of limits. Head on over to aspacious.life for more.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership at bow, We believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman? Serve in the workplace? Or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills.
2: So Alan, as we as we think about limits, as we think about this autonomy that we're shackled to, how do we begin to live differently? We talked a little bit about, you know, maybe what that would look like, even just to approach your social media. But what's your hope, maybe for your book, you know, for our books as they go out into the world this fall?
1: I think we need to have a a a, a realist hope. And what by that I mean the problems that we're describing. Just think about limits. Yeah. Um, think you know. Think back to the example I gave earlier of both my students and my wife's experience. Yeah. Uh, and the way society's expectations affected them and how they understood themselves in the world. One hope, the, the, the hope that we have, our only hope in life and death, is that we are not our own. That we understand that our being is in Christ. That we live before God, and that is that is our hope. Now. What I don't want people to come away thinking is that this is the mindset fix, right? Like a mindset hack, like you were thinking in this way, if you change your mindset, now all of a sudden your life is like there's rainbows and the sun is out and everything's (laughs) fine. And I want to say no. So like we, we have to recognize that we've been told a lie, that limits are bad. Uh, all limits are bad, right. and that we, you know, we are radically autonomous. That we are our own. Uh, we have to reject those lies and accept the truth. And when we do that, we do get real comfort in life and in death but society is still going to operate as if limits are bad and society is still going to treat us as if we are our own and they're going to give us these expectations. And so when my wife, you know, uh, she has a job now, but if she weren't, uh, if she didn't have a job and she went and met, you know, somebody new, she would still experience that awkward moment where somebody's like, Oh, you you don't have a job. That's not going to go away. Even though she might have a better understanding of why that person is saying that and why that doesn't mean what, it feels like it means. So that's the hope that I think we have, you know, we have that, that hope in Christ. And I think that there are steps that Christians can take to push back against a society that denies limits and, and pushes autonomy. But, um, but we also should be, I I, I tried to stress that we need a lot of grace for ourselves because living in a society that is inhuman as ours is in these ways, is brutal. And I think your book does a really good job of, of describing that, like the ways it's just, it's just hard. It's just hard to live mm-hmm. and we need to acknowledge that.
2: Yeah, that's great. Cause I think oftentimes we take some of these Christian books and then we're like, well, once I've read this, then I will know the information and therefore now my life will go like up into the right. And Jesus will be like my genie and pixie, give me pixie dust on my upwardly mobile middle-class life. And that's not what we're saying <laughs> in our books.
1: And, I mean, that's, sometimes it's explicitly the argument. I know. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, yeah. and especially outside of Christian circles, but, right. uh, you know, I see, I, uh, Instagram gives me a lot of like leadership and positivity and like mindset posts, sponsored right. posts, because I keep clicking on them because I just find them like train wreck fascinating. Right. Yeah. And uh, that's, they will explicitly say like, uh, you know, understanding this changed my life and now I've got this beautiful family or whatever. Right. And, and it's just, just unapologetically that's the sales pitch. Right. And I'm like, yeah,
2: no, nope, no,
1: nope. nope. that's a lie.
2: You know, what is really funny is Jen Pollock, Michelle on her endorsement of my book said, you know, that, that it rescues us from the siren call of self-help and then i looked on amazon Mm. and it's under christian (laughs) self-help i was like oh my god this is crazy (laughs) i was like okay well at least it's ironic i suppose right
1: and maybe the i mean you know maybe somebody who's still sold on self-help will stumble across it that's that's all i can think that's all i can think because every time i search for my book it comes up with a bunch of other things that are teaching the exact opposite right okay okay
2: you okay. are your own. You are your own. And here's how yeah. you curate your life. And you know what? I think yeah. the message of our books, too, says look, this is hard. The societies and cultures we live in that say, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, work harder. You're the only one responsible for your life. And it has to be amazing and firing on all cylinders all the, all the time. And just say, yeah. that's too much pressure. And you as a human don't actually need to to wear that pressure because we
1: have Jesus. Right. And that last part is so important because the first part you do see all over the place. So there are all kinds of, of, you know, Instagram accounts and, and self-help people and gurus and influencers who will tell you like, take care of yourself. You're, you're worthwhile. You're worthy just the way you are. And they'll, they'll have these personal affirmations that sound exactly like what you said, but they won't have that last bit. Mm -hmm. So they won't, they don't have an answer to the question. Why? Right. right? So, so right. why don't, why do you I have deserve your,
2: your spa day, you know, or why do you get right. to have a break from parenting?
1: Exactly. There's no, and, and the answer is, well, you just do. And it's a tautology. And mm-hmm. so the significant difference is that we'll, when, when, we say, all right, yeah, you don't have to create the perfect life because your life is already justified. The key is it's justified because we live before God mm-hmm. who died for our sins. And that's, that changes everything.
2: What does that look like for you? Give us maybe an experience, a story in your own life, or maybe in your wife's life. As you guys have talked about this staying home, stay at home mom sort of phenomenon. What does it look like for you to both have grace for yourself and to realize, okay, I, you know, I see this is the story that's pressing in on every side in my society. And I realize what does it look like? What does it actually look like to live into? I am not my own, but I belong body and soul to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does that look like for you on an average Monday?
1: It's hard. And that's why I stress the grace part, because having this knowledge that we belong to Christ does give us assurance. It does give us hope. But things are still really difficult and society is still demanding too much of us. And that doesn't go away. And right. we can start saying no to things, but it's still going to demand too much of us. So I think prioritizing is is, is one uh, uh, it, one key, right? So it means that if I'm not my own, I do have all these ridiculous demands put upon me, mm-hmm. but I need to recognize that I have obligations to my family and to the members of my church. So um I'm gonna need to sacrifice some things and right. help them, even when it hurts, and even when I don't want to do it. And at the same time, sometimes grace for myself means watching a sitcom. Sometimes it means you know, letting myself uh, eat a, a meal bar or or, uh, or buy bottled water, even though I know it's not good for the environment, because at this point I just can't do something else. It just right. I just don't have the brain space or the time, and so it's either I drink water or I buy <laughs> and and buy bottled water or I you know die. So. Um, <laughs> And, pretty and but these are the kinds of pressures I know, right? Yeah. These are the kind of pressures that we're put under. I mean, and especially, I think everyone experiences this. Uh, I don't know that parents feel it acutely, but I, I certainly do. Like, you, you always have these choices like, okay, if I were a really good parent, I would read to my kids some more. But honestly, right now, I feel like I can yeah. watch a cartoon with them.
2: Right? That's, yeah.
1: that's what I have. Right. But I'll be on the couch with them, so right. that's something.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like not- every decision is like this weighty moral Ugh. choice and it's exhausting. Like, oh gosh, it's I'm so
1: crushing. I, I
2: am using plastic Ziplocs instead of the reusable ones. I'm like ruining the earth and ruining my child. Like that's that's the message, right? We're we're yes. being told.
1: And it's, and it's, it's too much. And it it just like the psychic load, like Mm -hmm. as you're going through your day, because like, okay, the Ziplocs, the water bottles, they don't really matter. And so somebody might hear that and be like, why why are you making a big deal out of it? Well, I'm not. But what happens is the the 15 seconds or five seconds that I think about it gets added on to all the other little things that happen all day long, that just wear you down. And so So what this means for me is that I have grace. I recognize that this world that I live in is deeply broken and disordered. And I can't, God is the only one who can change this fundamentally. I'm not going to save the world. I'm not going to change the world. Now I need to act faithfully. uh, But sometimes that means that I have to do things that are not ideal, but they're still Good. They're not sin, right? It's not sin to use a right. plastic bag. It would be ideal if I could get past that. But if I'm not responsible for saving the world, then I don't need to carry that burden. And right. I can say, yep, yeah, we're going to use plastic bags and you know get a snack and go to the park because I'm going to be a good dad and take my kids to the park. And that is more, more important right mm-hmm. now.
2: Well, as we think about all of these things, um I have a fun little quiz for readers of my book called yeah. What's Your Hustle Habit? So oh I'm a- yeah, I am asking all of my friends here on the podcast what their hustle habit is. So ways in which you in unhealthy ways <laughs> choose to kind of bypass your limits um, and hope that, you know, we actually have good news for our our bad hustle habits. But Alan, what's your hustle habit?
1: So I came out with the blamer. Is that
2: blamer? Yeah, that's it. So yeah, there's the blamer, the ignorer, the controller and the shame spiraler. There's some shame
1: spiraling, but definitely the, yeah. I mean, does the blamer, is that self blame or is it outward blame? It can
2: be both, but most of the self blame would be more in the shame spiral. I think, you know, I realized I have um, this early on in my book, I have this little story about as a stay-at-home mom trying to make mm-hmm. dinner and, mm-hmm. you know, all of these pressures kind of come at you one by one. I'm trying to talk to my husband about his day, you know, I have like bouncing the baby on the hip and then the child, you know, the toddler comes in screaming or fussing and it's not running down his face because his artistic creation is gone and I've put it in the recycling. Right. I'm trying to actually keep a right. clean house. And, you know, and then by all this time, the pasta water is boiled over. And, you know, how do you deal with those limits, right? The limits of time, your attention. And I realized, you know, what I have tended to do is I, I like hitting all of those. I like hitting all of those different <laughs> different hustle habits in different Uh ways. And if one doesn't work, I go to another one, but I tend to the blame. That's my, that's my first line of attack. Right. And then I eventually get to the shame.
1: Yeah. I feel like I go through most of those phases at different times, but definitely a lot of, of, of blame. And then, and then shame.
2: I think it's, it's an easier way for sure to try to, not actually acknowledge that we have right that we have any sort of limit is therefore to like push it off on other people or just say something's deeply wrong with me which i think your book is helpful in saying this is the society in which we live these are the structures in which we live and how it's set up is fundamentally inhuman Uh, and so maybe we'll be able to get past some of that that blame and shame kind of spiraling that we tend to do for me what's helpful right in those moments when I turn all those messages back of myself ultimately is like you're talking about in your book. It's to remember like, I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus Christ and that's deeply where my identity lies. It doesn't lie in the fact that the pasta water has boiled over and I just snapped right. at my child and I, you know, yeah. and I've thrown away his you know, cardboard box. <laughs> <laughs> we well,
1: have done that. We've had that scene. And yeah. you'll, and you'll continue to have that seal. Like right. it just, it just repeats. you make those things, those yeah disasters that aren't actually disasters, but feel that way happen all the time. I don't know how anyone can be a parent without a deep understanding of God's grace. That's, I, I just, you know, even when I feel like I'm doing well, I know I'm not doing well. And I can, I can accept that because God is the one who's sovereign and is caring for my children. But if I didn't have that, like I, I just don't. I can't imagine, and maybe that's why a lot of people don't have kids today. Like they, because it does. It is terrifying being in charge of another human uh, human being, and so that's where the blame comes in, right? Because if you're the one who's responsible, then, well, it's my fault, or it's his fault, or it's their fault, or it's you know whomever's fault. And but getting to the place where you can say, like, you know, the system is messed up, and we're all fallen and there's grace for this there's grace for the pasta and for the trash cardboard and for the tantrum over the cardboard and for all of these things and Mm -hmm. it's it's okay
2: so alan before we finish up i'd love to know what is your laundry routine
1: okay this is a question i actually get asked a lot what is what is the laundry routine of someone like dr o alan noble phd uh chaos is a is the best description I wear clothes and then I throw the ones that I'm gonna probably wear tomorrow or, an, or another day on a shoe rack. The others I throw under our bathroom sink, which is like our dirty laundry pile. And then uh, my wife usually very kindly takes the dirty laundry downstairs in the morning mm-hmm. and uh, she washes, the, uh, washes them. And my youngest daughter, it's her chore to, to fold them, which she does um, very begrudgingly and uh, then it goes up into a basket and we and i carry it back up to my room and i usually set it on the floor or on my bed and um, my clothes sit folded or badly folded for days months weeks at a time until i use up all those clothes and they're dirty again because i never get around to putting them away
2: well thank you alan it's been such a pleasure um i appreciate Uh, your time and it's exciting to think about the conversations that might happen with both our books together as people begin to have a little bit of grace for themselves and for each other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks. All right. Thanks.
2: Friends. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Alan Noble, his book. You are not your own. is out this October. You don't want to miss it. You can pre-order at the link in the show notes And I wanted to offer you a special invitation. If you are listening to this episode, when it comes out the week of August 9th, just this week, we have a spacious community open for members. And what a spacious community is, is about four weeks where we are going to journey together towards spiritual transformation. We're going to be using my book, A Spacious Life, as an entree into these discussions that we'll get to have Virtually, a few times, we're going to also practice some what, what I like to call pocket practices as spiritual disciplines together, and you'll be with a community of people who are learning how their limits are good. So, if you are burnt out by hurry and hustle and you are looking for a slower and gentler way, I would love to have you be a part of this spacious community. You can find all the details at a spacious dot. I always love to end my episodes with one small step and this season we're doing things just slightly differently. We are using pocket practices and pocket practices are spiritual discipline practices that are small enough to keep in your pocket. They help connect the dots between that spacious life that we desire and our actual busy, harried everyday lives. Well, this episode, I would love to have you think about your time. And I would encourage you to spend 24 hours as your little pocket practice without your phone. Maybe like you need to keep it in a bag in your closet. Maybe you turn it off. Maybe you plug it in, in a different room so that you can actually be phone-free for 24 hours. It's a little digital Sabbath. And after you do your 24 hours away, write down some thoughts, maybe your top three takeaways. I know for me, I notice that sometimes I get a little jittery, right? Where I keep wanting to reach for my phone. I find sometimes too that I actually end up feeling some of my feelings more than just bypassing them through social media. And thirdly, I think I realize when I take a digital Sabbath that I'm not nearly like the center of the universe or as busy and needed and necessary. And that's a good reminder too. The world can wait one day to hear from you. I'd love to hear how your digital Sabbath goes. You can tag me on social media at AAHales. And don't forget to go on over to aspacious.life. You can take your hustle habit quiz. And while you're there, pre-order a copy of A Spacious Life so you can join us for A Spacious Community that will be launching on August 16th. Thanks for being here, friends. Remember, big things matter, but so does the laundry.